Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash My Money Health Check. Welcome to episode 92 of the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. Everybody should consider making a will. If you don't have one, then the law dictates what happens to assets you own on your death. It doesn't always mean it goes where you expect. Everyone knows that the will writing is is a largely unregulated market, so the consumer has to be really careful about who they choose. It makes you think, wow, you really do need to sort out your admin because should the worst happen, things can kind of career off into a very strange way. This week, I'm joined by our money regular, Gareth Shaw, and which wills expert, Laura Wynne, for a special episode on wills. Find out if you need one and the different ways of making one, including low-cost and free options, plus loads of advice on how to get started and how to stay protected. We are which. Thinking about what's going to happen when we die isn't pleasant. But to get us talking about it, this month is Free Wills Month. This is where a group of charities come together to offer people aged 55 or over the chance to get a will or make an update to their will for free in return for a small charity donation, which is a brilliant initiative. And we'll be going through this and the other ways of getting a will written in this episode. But first, Gareth, I know we're in the same camp on this. Neither of us have a will. I don't really have an excuse. It's something I've had in the back of my mind. I don't think it helps that people in my age group don't really seem to be talking about it. But Gareth, given your passion for personal finance, we've heard it all on the show. I feel like our listeners might be quite surprised that you don't have one too. Yes, I probably shouldn't be admitting it. I want to keep up the facade that I'm some kind of super savvy um, financial guru. And, and you know, I try and take my own advice as often as possible. But when it came comes to getting a will, a bit like you, I've had a bit of a block and, and I really shouldn't have had. I've got, I own a property I'm married. I've got two young children. Mm. You know, I'm I'm in a scenario where if the worst were to happen and I or my wife were to die, we really need a will to um, to to tell people how we want our wishes carried out, particularly when you've got young children. And and I must admit, I've been through the process of doing a, a DIY will. I got to a section on um, you know who would take care of uh, our kids. Um, if my wife and I were to pass away. And honestly, it's something that we had never discussed. We never really thought about it before. And it, and it turns out we, we've had this discussion and we still haven't kind of made up our mind. There's so many scenarios and, and factors that we've had to consider. Mm-hmm. And I think 
because we we just haven't decided on that. I've never returned back to that DIY will. That section on, you know, who takes care of your dependents is still unfilled. And and I haven't really approached it again. So I've had the, pardon the pun, the will there to do one. But because this is a this is a monumental decision, you know, who who do we want to look after our children if we're not here? Because we can't actually decide on that or, or if we, we haven't really settled on it it's prohibited me from from going ahead and and getting a will which is kind of silly right you know maybe we should just make a decision and then think about it some more and and make an amendment to our will but we haven't and so here we are willless you know i i feel like in this area i've done the other responsible things we've got bank loads of life insurance in place uh, that life insurance has been put into trust as well so that it'd be really quick and easy for the funds to be distributed and you know we avoid uh, a nasty uh, tax surprise um, but yeah the, the will part of things I just haven't confronted so I'm ho- hoping to kind of get as much from this podcast as as the rest of the listeners out there. Definitely. Likewise, Gareth. And that's a good point. It comes with a lot of really tough decisions to make. And making a will is something that many people put off, not just us. Uh, According to research from the Law Society, over 50% of people still don't have one. Here's Melinda Giles from the Law Society's Wills and Equity Committee on their findings. They are are shocking um, and disappointing, really, because it's not that difficult to make a will it's not even that expensive to make a will when you consider the cost of maybe life insurance premiums which are a similar precaution that people would take out i i I do think much of it is that people don't understand what could happen if they didn't make a will and also furthermore sometimes it would ensure that those they don't want to inherit from their estate don't inadvertently inherit if you don't understand what could happen then potentially you could have heirs who are the very last people you'd want to benefit from everything you've collected through your lifetime but despite the majority not having a will there has been a huge increase in the number of people making them since the start of the pandemic as melinda explains oh the pandemic in terms of making wills had an immediate effect myself personally and every other solicitor that i know that makes will had a huge surge of additional inquiries back in March last year because of the fact that we turned on the television, the radio every day, and all we heard about was death. And actually, it wasn't older people specifically, many of whom are more in the habit of making wills. It was younger people who hadn't made wills before. I also found a returning of clients who perhaps had inquired about making a will who picked it up again and said, oh my God, I never got around to fixing this, which does, I suppose, indicate that it it was something that they'd thought about doing, but didn't think was that important, that sort of important, but not urgent pile that we all have, that they then thought, oh yes, I better get that finished off. So there was a lot of that. Fortunately, my experience was, I'm pleased to add, just in case this sounds, sounds a bit gloomy, that most of those people were not victims of the pandemic, but they did get their affairs in order. 
And we've seen this surge in interest across the board. The will service at which saw nearly seven times the number of orders last April compared with 2019. One will writing company reported the most popular day to make a will last year was the day Prime Minister Boris Johnson was admitted to intensive care with coronavirus. And we've also had loads of comments on social media. Tony tweeted Witch Money saying, never before have I felt like I cared about what happened when I'm gone. It just makes you think. So let's talk about the process of making a will. We already know Gareth and I don't have one yet, but thankfully we're joined by Witch Wills expert Laura Wynne to walk us through the different options. Laura, for anyone starting out, can we begin by getting some clarity on who actually needs to make a will? What are some of the reasons for getting one and why is it so important that you do? In essence, everybody should consider making a will. If you don't have one, uh, then the law dictates what happens to the assets you own on your death. And it doesn't always mean it goes where you expect. For example, Gareth, just picking up on your situation, you might assume that everything goes to your wife. But if depending on the value of your property, that might not be the case. It wouldn't all go to her necessarily. So you would need a will if that was what you wanted to happen. Other people who who it's very important for are couples who are not married. They are not entitled to receive anything from your estate unless you have a will in place that says that it should go to them. Also, if you wanted to leave anything to charity, that has to be in the will. The charities won't receive anything automatically and lots of them rely very heavily on donations from estates upon death. Lots of other elements can be added to a will to increase its usefulness and also to uh, make it more specific to what you want. So for example, if you wanted children to inherit, uh, they automatically would inherit at 18, but you might feel that that's a bit young. So you would want to delay it and you could delay that till they're 21, 25, a bit older and maybe able to deal with things a little bit more responsibly. Very common situation at the moment is people who have second marriages and maybe have children from a previous marriage. And again, a will means that you can make sure that your children from the first marriage do inherit your estate or as much of it as you want them to. It's not going to be that your wife on your second marriage inherits and then the assets will be in her estate and she may leave it all to charity and the children from your first marriage can potentially be missed out completely. Not all of these will be applicable to everybody but there are lots of scenarios that that for many people mean a will is a, a very important document to put in place. And the antestasy rules, which is the default position, won't work for people particularly. Um, It won't be suitable for for people in distributing their estate. So, Laura, just to pick up selfishly on my own scenario. So my blind assumption there was if I die willless or intestate, uh, I think you said, that's the, the kind of legal term for it. My assumption was that everything would go to my wife we're legally married we jointly own our assets but but you said that that might not be the case can you explain more about that yeah sure it's just not as straightforward as that under the uh, law there are certain assets that will go to your wife depending on what you own and how you own it but there is a limit on what that what what your wife's entitled to inherit there's a figure of 270,000 pounds that 
uh, is capped is the cap on what is inherited by a spouse. After that, anything that you own that's in excess of that amount will be divided half between your spouse and half to your children. So in your situation, some would actually go to your children, even if they are really quite young at that point. And would they be the the kind of the legal owner of those assets, uh, even say, for example, at the age of one and three, or, or would they not get hold of those until they were 18? And then who would manage those assets until they reach that age? Yes, somebody would be managing those assets for them. An adult would would look after them until they turned 18. But at that point, they would be entitled to them outright. And that, for example, may be part of a property. It may be that your house is partly owned by your one-year-old, although held and looked after until they're 18, and partly owned by your wife. I'm just really chuckling at the thought of my daughter, Violet, being a homeowner. (laughs) with her own little set of keys opening a huge front door. But um, that's really that's really surprised me, uh, Laura. I, I didn't know the, the rules kind of panned out that way. Um, makes you think, wow, you really do need to sort out your admin um, because should the worst happen, things can kind of career off into a very strange way. It can, and it can happen inadvertently as well. People don't expect certain situations to arise, mm. but they can. One thing I will mention that not a lot of people know is that when you get married, any will that you have in place is revoked. So you should be making another will after you get married to ensure that your your will is still in place and valid. So Laura, before we get on to the different ways of getting a will, what are the fundamentals? What do they all need to include? There are certain things that everybody making a will should consider. The first would be executors, the people who are going to be appointed to deal with your estate after you die. They're the people who will close your bank accounts, maybe sell the property, make sure that everything, all your debts are paid and that everything left over is passed to the, the correct beneficiaries, so the people who are inheriting your estate. The Next stage is is any specific gifts that you want to make. It may be that you have a, a something sentimental, uh, some jewellery or some books that you want to leave to a particular person. So you need to think about if there's anything like that that you want to leave in your will. That's optional. You don't have to, but it's something to consider. Along the same lines, it may be that you want to leave a specific amount of money to somebody as well, or to a charity maybe, and you would name that in the will. And that could be any specific amount from something really small or to to quite a large amount. And then the final point is that uh, whatever's left over is going to be distributed to the people that, that you've decided to inherit your estate. Often that's done in percentages if it's more than one person. So half to one person, half to another, or even between 10, 20 people in some circumstances. But in essence, it's whatever you have left over after the specific gifts and the bits of money that have been given away and your debts have been paid and taxes have been paid, all of those things, whatever's left over, you need to say where that is going to go. Another point I'll just pick up on from Gareth earlier is uh, guardians. Um, Most people will also appoint guardians in their will for children who are under 18 at the time of death. And 
it is a legal appointment. So if if both parents of that child have, have passed away, then whoever's named as the guardian in the will has the legal right to take on that role. Mm. However, I will point out that it is not necessary to appoint guardians in a will. It can be done in a separate document or it can be done as a change to the will in the future. The reason I mention it is because for a lot of people, the appointment of guardians is the reason that they don't get on with finishing the will. For me, it it was the case for me uh, at one point as well. It was the reason I put it off because trying to choose somebody who's going to look after your children is a very big decision. But that should not be the reason that you stop that prevents you from making a will. Make the will and then either appoint the guardians in a separate document or make a small change to your will in the future once you've decided who that person's going to be. Laura, you mentioned um, the executor there. Can you talk us through um, a few other key terms, how the executor compares to power of attorney, um, how wills compare to, to probate? Yeah, absolutely. So your will applies when you pass away. Um, in your will, you would appoint an executor to deal with your estate. Uh, this is all after you've died and they will wind it all up and make sure that it's distributed to the beneficiaries. Another term that comes up often in in the context with an executor is a trustee. And a trustee is the person who will manage your assets after you've died, but on a longer term basis. For example, if there are young children, obviously they can't deal with their own finances until they're 18. So a trustee will do that for them. So often in a will, executors and trustees are appointed uh, and they can be the same people or different people depending on your circumstances. So powers of attorney are documents that apply during your lifetime. So totally separate, apply at a different time. And actually powers of attorney will end on death, at which point the will sort of takes over. So in a power of attorney, you appoint attorneys and they can deal with your affairs whilst you're alive, but you don't have the capacity to do that yourself. It may be that you get dementia or just that you're getting elderly and, and don't want to be dealing with your finances or complicated decisions day in, day out. And you can appoint attorneys to help with that. Another term that comes up uh, in dealing with somebody's estate is probate. When people refer to probate, they often are meaning the the administration of the estate, i.e. the point from the date of death to the point where everything is dif- distributed to the beneficiaries, i.e. closing bank accounts down, uh, selling shares, selling property, uh, gathering all the money together. In actual fact, probate is is the document that the court issues to confirm who the person who's entitled to deal with the estate is. So the court would issue a grant of probate to the executor that confirms that the executor has the right to close the bank accounts and sell the property. It's a document that the banks ask for in order to minimize the risk and make sure that they are giving the money to the right person. Obviously, giving away £50,000 to the wrong person can not look, doesn't look good. <laughs> and so for making a will then, the options are to use a solicitor, uh, a will writing service, or go alone and, and do it yourself. Can you talk us through how each of these work? So a will can be written by anybody. Uh, you don't have to have a professional do it. The requirements are that it is in writing, signed by the person making the document in front of two witnesses. 
who also sign. That is that is the requirements for a valid will. However, it may seem simple to write your own will, but it's not always advisable. It can be quite complicated to make sure that the wording in the will is very clear and it works within the law to ensure that your wishes are followed as you intended. Uh, for this reason, there are a number of uh, precedents and templates out there that people can use in order to write their will. The most simple of those is a will pack you can buy from a shop or online that provides the template wording and you would fill in the relevant details such as names and addresses. Now, these only offer very limited options um, in terms of what they would cover and it may be that it's not suitable for, for everybody, uh, especially if there's slightly more complex situation. So the next stage is, is to get a solicitor or will writer to write the will for you. They will pick out the relevant terms, um, take your details down, make sure that the will suits exactly what you want it to do and suits your needs. Laura, I remember a, a couple of years ago, our uh, team of money journalists covering the fact that the Law Commission had um, proposed a whole new load of ways to kind of reform and modernise wills, you know, uh, basically saying that if you make an error in your will, it won't make the will void or even a wacky idea of a, a text, an email or a voicemail uh, could qualify as a will. So talking about the different ways you could write one, could you not just put it all down in a text message and um, and, and kind of express your wishes, wishes that way and, and, and that's your record of what you want? There, there have been proposals, many proposals over the years as to how we can modernise will writing. Uh, the process at the moment is based on a very old law. Um, however, as of yet, nothing has formally been changed. So, so far at the moment, it is still the fact that a will must be written, either handwritten or typed. It must be signed by the person making the will and it, there must be two witnesses who also sign. And those witnesses must be there in person to see see everybody signing. Um, there's been small change to that law over the last year due to the, the circumstances. And they now are allowing witnesses to witness the signing of the will via video call. However, um, if possible, it's still better to do it all in person um, with the signing and the two witnesses. Now, in terms of other wills, there have been cases over the years where different wills have been accepted. However, in order to have that accepted, the case must go to court. And any court case in this kind of matter will take months and months, uh, cost thousands of pounds. And therefore, it's not a great idea to rely on that. Um, and if at all possible, again, make sure that you've got a will that is written or typed and signed in the traditional way. I hope maybe at some point in the future they'll change this. In other countries, wills can be done in different ways and are recognised in different ways. But as of yet, we haven't had that change in the law here. So, Laura, if you do get a will written in the tr traditional way, as you say, with a solicitor or a will writing service, what kind of costs are we looking at? I feel like this could put people off. It can be considered quite a costly uh, endeavour. The costs vary quite a lot. It, it can be anything from about £100 to £1,000, depending on what service you use to write the will, uh, the complexity of your estate and what you want in the will. So yeah, making a will um, 
can cost a, a significant amount of money, but it is a very important document. And for that reason, paying a lump sum at the time of making it means that it, your mind is at ease and you know that your estate is going to be distributed how you want it to be and left to those people who you care about most. We are which. Now, there is a big warning here that, that unlike many other financial services, will writing in itself isn't regulated. And this is something James Antonio, uh, head of wills at Co-op Legal Service, is keen to stress. Everyone knows that the will writing is, is a largely unregulated market. So the consumer has to be really careful about who they choose, um, as there's many providers out there who market themselves you know, as experts, but then exclude liability in their terms and conditions for when you know things go wrong um, some try and charge you know annual recurring fees or try and you know load in additional costs to store the will for example so um, you know for, for the for your listeners that you know for my opinion the safest option is, is always try and find a fixed fee service um, one that's regulated by the solicitors regulation authority because um, this gives the extra protection um, and also, because they're regulated, they're under an obligation to, to always act in your best interest. That's key. So, Laura, if you do go with a regulated solicitor, what protections would that give you? In essence, the protections are there if something goes wrong. So if the will is not how you intended it to be, um, there is recourse either to the Solicitor's Regulation Authority or to the Legal Ombudsman. Uh, Both of these bodies have the power to take action and investigate a situation and provide either disciplinary action to the solicitors or come to an arrangement whereby uh, a, a solution can be found to the dispute. The SRA also have a discretionary compensation fund. So if there's significant financial loss, there is the option for somebody to be reimbursed. Solicitors also are required to have professional indemnity insurance to cover them financially for any claims. And therefore, again, it is more likely that you will get the financial reimbursement that uh, you wouldn't necessarily get from an unregulated will writer. But of course, going down the solicitor road is usually the most expensive. So what are some of the cheaper and free options, not forgetting, of course, free wills month? Using a solicitor is obviously the best route in terms of protection for you and also ensuring that the will that is produced is what you intended and and will follow your wishes. And therefore, things like free wills month are a very good way of getting a cheaper will. Because in essence, you are still getting a solicitor to draft it, but the cost is being covered by a charity um, or at least most of the cost. It means that you can get it either free or at a much discounted rate. The free wills month happens twice a year in March and October, and it covers simple wills. However, if you wanted something a bit more complex, then it is likely that the solicitor would be able to carry out that wish but there may just be a small cost to you instead of a larger one the rest of the time. Other charities uh, in particular the larger charities have similar arrangements all year round where they have a relationship with a firm of solicitors and they will cover the cost or contribute towards the cost of a will that you make through that solicitor. For both Free Wills Month and the offers from the charities the 
hope is that you will leave some kind of legacy to the charity, but there is no obligation on that and there is no specific amount that you have to leave. So if you can leave a small amount in relation to the value of your estate, then they will be very grateful for that. And um, for you, it means that you can get a solicitor drafted uh, will for a, a cheaper price. If that's not the route for you or it doesn't uh, work out for you, then other options are to use online services, potentially might be suitable for you. They are uh, usually cheaper uh, because they don't have so much involvement from a professional, but they still produce a perfectly valid and comprehensive will. And there are some other will writers who offer increased protection as well that have insurance in place uh, even though they aren't necessarily regulated. Also one place to check is um, your home insurance. Some home insurance policies include legal cover that may also contain a will writing service so it's worth having a look there. And to finish this week, we're going to hear once again from James Antonio with some advice on common mistakes to avoid and how to future-proof your will. Doing it yourself is possible, but it's incredibly risky, particularly when the interpretation of the words used in a will uh, just have to be so precise. Um, And it's very easy to write something which you may think is clear, but could actually be interpreted in different ways. So using the right language and and terminology that the law recognises is absolutely key. Uh, What many people perhaps don't realise is that your will may not necessarily cover all of your assets. So simply making a will is sometimes not enough. Um, So, for example, if you have life policies in place um, or pensions. And I think also uh, another common mistake is that People sometimes forget that although they're making their will now, the will actually only comes into effect at the point that they die. So uh, although the things they own today are important, they also need to consider um, how they want future assets to be distributed as well. As is so often the way on the podcast, we've come to the end of the episode and I feel very much like I should now take action and very ready to do so. Thank you so much, Laura. Gareth, what are your next steps going to be? Well, whilst we've been recording this and I've been hearing all of the great stuff Laura's been saying, I've actually keyed in which wills into my computer and I've got the old application that I stopped at when we got to the guardianship area and I've committed to um, filling that in this week. So uh, I should, next time we talk about this, I will be a proud, proud uh, will owner um, and have all of my affairs in place so that should the worst happen, um, I know that things are going to go according to my plan. Thanks again to Laura and Gareth for joining us today. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you've got a comment or question on anything we've mentioned today, please do let us know in the comments wherever you're listening to the podcast or on social media at Witch Money. And to find out more about how to make a will with Witch, visit wills.witch.co.uk. This episode of the Witch Bunny podcast was produced and edited by Rob Lilly with additional support from Ian Aikman and Kim Carver. Mm-hmm.